Hola mi gente. The moment you've been waiting for is finally here. My brand new book, Financially Lit, is officially out. And I can't wait for you to get your copy. Inside this book, I'm bringing you culturally relevant and relatable personal finance advice that will allow you to finally feel seen, heard, and understood. Whether it's the guilt you feel from being the first person to make it while members of your family are still struggling, or the way that financial trauma manifests itself in negative and limiting beliefs around money, Financially Lit is here to guide you through it all. Just a few years ago, it was almost impossible to find personal finance books written for first-generation wealth-building Latinas. We have been forced to navigate the complicated world of money with a bunch of money books written by old white dudes who don't understand what it's like for us first-gen kids. But that stops right here, right now. Inside Financially Lit, you will learn how to set boundaries with your familia, with your dinero, create and pass on generational wealth, diversify and increase your income, protect yourself from financial abuse, navigate the complicated relationship between amor and dinero, invest like a white dude or better, and so much more. You can get your hard copy and audiobook version of Financially Lit at financiallylitbook.com and make sure to join our email list so you can find out when I'm stopping in a city near you for the Financially Lit book tour. See you soon. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. I was talking to all my friends and all the jobs that I thought were available to me at the time, people were telling me like, yeah, if my parents weren't paying my car bills, like I would be in debt right now, right? Like they were telling me these stories about how they were paying super high prices for their rent, super high prices for their cars, super high prices for eating out. And I was like, ooh, that's not for me. I don't want to do that. And so I became an au pair and I went to Germany and same kind of idea of like trading work for room and board and for food. And I had the time of my life there. So that was kind of like the first year. And eventually that led to me discovering the online world and meeting other digital nomads and finding out that not only could you work and travel, but you didn't have to be right poor. Like you didn't have to be like living paycheck to paycheck and traveling. You could be making actually a pretty decent salary, and also manage to travel at the same time. You're listening to Yo Quiero Dinero, a personal finance podcast for the modern Latina. I'm your host, Janice Torres, award-winning Latina personal finance expert. I didn't always have my financial shit together, but when I started looking for POC-friendly personal finance podcasts, I couldn't find any. And so Yo Quiero Dinero was born. On this show, I'll show you how to make dinero, how to keep your dinero, and most importantly, how to make it grow. Each week, I'm connecting you with the most brilliant minds in the world of money and business, so you can learn about investing, entrepreneurship, and building wealth. The best part? I'm dishing up all this knowledge with a sassy side of sazón. So if you're ready to be poderosa with your dinero, you've come to the right place. Let's dive in.
Hola, mi gente. Welcome back to Yo Quiero Dinero. You're listening to episode 111, How to Work and Travel at the Same Time with Jules Costa of Jules on Tap. Jules Costa is a Brazilian content strategist, entrepreneur, and digital nomad at Jules on Tap on Instagram. Jules started out living paycheck to paycheck as a freelance copywriter and often struggled to make ends meet. It was only after they realized their worth and time quadrupled their rates and implemented zero-based budgeting that their life began to change. Now Jules balances their business and travel with their goal of fire. On their Instagram, Jules shares value-packed personal finance and business tips for freelancers. Their ultimate goal is to see freelancers stop working for pennies and start valuing their time and skills. In this episode, we talk about Jules' journey from burnt-out college graduate to scrappy digital nomad, how they found their first remote gig, how they choose where in the world to travel, how to raise your rates as a freelancer, and so much more. Stay tuned. Before we hop into today's conversation, I want to remind you to follow us on social. If you're loving this podcast and you want more community, you want to find out more about our events and all the stuff that we have going on behind the scenes, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, YouTube, Instagram, and everywhere else you love to hang out on the internet. If you're loving this podcast, please take a moment to leave us a review if you listen to us on Apple. It's the easiest way to share our podcast with people that you know and love, and it helps us get discovered by amazing listeners like you. So take a moment, leave us a review, share us with your friends and family, subscribe so that you never miss an episode, and make sure to check out our blog, YoQuieroDineroPodcast.com, where you can sign up for our email list and you'll never miss an episode. Plus, you get exclusive invitations to our live events, special discounts for our digital courses, and as always, our best personal finance tips and advice to help you be poderosa with your dinero. Thanks for listening. Now, let's get into the episode. So today on the podcast, we have Jules. Welcome to the podcast. So excited to have you here. Hi, thank you so much for having me here. Absolutely. So I am such a big fan of the fact that like you are a digital nomad who is quote unquote living the dream. So we're definitely (laughs) going to talk about that. But before we get into that, I would love for you to just start off with introing yourself and telling us who you are. Yeah, so my name's Jules Costa. I'm Jules on Tap on Instagram. And like you said, I'm a digital nomad. I'm a content strategist and I'm a business owner. Amazing. Okay. So let's first talk about your money story. I love kind of starting off with that combo because I feel like it frames the whole discussion that we're going to have today. So what was your relationship like with money growing up? What did you learn about it? What did you not learn about it? And how do you think that it affected you as an adult interacting with them dollars? Yeah, my family immigrated from Brazil when I was really young. I was two years old and we immigrated here. And it's kind of the typical immigration story. We did it for money. My dad found a job. and we were very strict with money. My parents were very strict with money. Uh, There was always a focus on education. You don't spend money unless it's absolutely necessary. There's no frills, no pleasure. So I kind of took that mindset into my adult life and was very, very frugal and very, very focused on school for a long time until I burned out, honestly. like I burned out very young, already at college. And After I graduated, I was like, you know what? I can't do this for the next 40 years. So I took my very, very meager savings and started traveling the world. 
And I used Workaway. I used something called Au Pair World. And I became an au pair for a while. And I went to Brazil, Peru, Germany, Italy, France, you name it. I traveled the world, but very quickly ran out of money. And actually, the pandemic is when everything really, really hit for me. I kind of had to sink or swim. And I decided to swim. I became a copywriter and launched my own business and have been doing kind of digital strategy ever since. That is amazing. Okay. So I think first off, a lot of us can identify with like burning out in college. Like I feel like I was definitely there too. And that's one of the reasons why I even opted out of like going to medical school. Cause I'm like, there's no fucking way I'm going to yes. do another four years of this and then a residency. And then God knows what else is waiting for me. But I think we get so, especially like first gen kids, we're always just like, we got to just suffer through it because we got to make the sacrifice worth it. Do you feel like you had that pressure to like make all the suffering or the sacrifice worth it? Oh my gosh, yes. And funny enough, I was also pre-med in college. And it's hilarious, right? Because we grow up and we think there's like two jobs, right? You can yeah. be a doctor or you can be a lawyer. My dad was an engineer. So I was like, okay, I could be a doctor or I could be an engineer. <laughs> and I put so much pressure on myself to study chemistry and do physics, which I ended up failing, right? Like it was just not for me. What I do now, I'm a content strategist. I didn't even know that people could do this. And I mm -hmm. also didn't know that it could get this good. I didn't know that I could book a trip to Portugal and just work from Portugal, right? Yeah. Like, so there was a very narrow conceptualization of what was possible, especially in the 90s, right? This is pre dot com era and yeah. right at the dot com boom. So this idea of working from your laptop, like my family still doesn't understand what I do. They think that I like sell Bitcoin or they, they have no idea. They're just like, I don't know. She's on her computer all the time. So absolutely. I did feel that pressure and it did take a long time for me to unravel that pressure. And in a lot of ways, I still am. Yeah. I feel like we had the literal exact same experience, even though we're from two different places. And I think that just <laughs> speaks to this idea that like, we have so much in common, y'all, as people of color. Like, mm. there's just so much baggage here. There's just so much, like, trauma and, like, expectation and fucking stress and anxiety that just manifests itself in, like, so many ways. That being said, so you said you burnt out, basically, in college, and you were like, no, I'm not going to do this. So what was that first, like, six months to a year? Like, what did that look like after you graduated? Yeah. So the very first six months, I... <laughs> took my partner at the time. And we just lived very, very frugally. We were like, down to splitting meals, because we could not afford to like buy it two dinners, we would like split the dinner in half. And we were traveling in Brazil, like down the coast of Brazil, we were doing a lot of work away, which is when you trade your time at a hostel, and they give you like room and board. So I did that for six months. And it was honestly so fun. It was so great up until the point where the money ran out, of course. And then when the money ran out, I was like, oh, I still don't really want to go back because I was talking to all my friends and all the jobs that I thought were available to me at the time. People were telling me like, yeah, if my parents weren't paying my car bills, like I would be in debt right now. Right. Like they were telling me these stories about how they were paying super high prices for their rent super high prices for their cars, super high prices for eating out and whatever. And I was like, ooh, that's not for me. I don't want to do that. 
And so I became an au pair and I went to Germany and same kind of idea of like trading work for room and board and for food. And I had the time of my life there. So that was kind of like the first year. And eventually that led to me discovering the online world and meeting other digital nomads and finding out that not only could you work and travel, but you didn't have to be right poor. Like you didn't have to be like living paycheck to paycheck and traveling. You could be making actually a pretty decent salary and also manage to travel at the same time. I love it. Okay. So I definitely want to kind of find out the story behind how you got into the copywriting space. But before that, I feel like as someone who literally is an immigrant, right? And you come to the United States for the quote unquote American dream. How did your parents take this idea that you're like, I don't want to fucking live here, y'all. Like this is not where it's at. Because it sounds like you could be like feeling so much guilt around that decision, right? Absolutely. Oh my gosh, my parents lost their minds. <laughs> First off, they thought I graduated a semester early and they thought I had quit school. <laughs> I could not get it across that like, no, like actually I did really well. Like I took way too many credits and I get to leave early now. So that was already the starting point. They just didn't understand. It's a rock and a hard place, right? It's very catch 22 because at the same time that my parents, especially my mom, my mom was very proud to be Brazilian. She was always very adamant as I was growing up, like you are not American, you are a Brazilian living in the US. And that was really hard for me because I couldn't really integrate. And at the same time, we were expected to be very grateful to be here. And so when I kind of took off, and I don't think that it's that I went back to Brazil that bothered them. I think that it was that I went back and I didn't have a steady job. And I wasn't using my degree and all of these different things that were just really hard for them to swallow. Yeah. There's a lot of baggage that comes with uh, trying to meet people's expectations. But uh, at some point you kind of have to choose yourself or you're going to end up waking up 40, 50 years old and be like, what the hell did I do with my life? Right. Absolutely. Okay. So you are traveling the world, kind of finding gigs where you can here and there, but you're not necessarily found your career yet. So how did you get from the place where you're just like scraping by to now you've been exposed to this potential idea of like copywriting that I know people make a shit ton of money on. Yeah. One of, the, <laughs> one of numerous ways that you can actually make a very good living online. Yes. So it did take me a while to find copywriting. When I moved to Germany, I started meeting a whole bunch of digital nomads who were doing different things. One of those things was working as an ESL teacher for a platform called VIP Kid. And you have to have a college degree. They paid 20 bucks an hour, which up until that point, I think the most I'd ever made was 10. And so I was like, wow, I'm going to be rolling in it, right? Not quite the case, but it did pay the bills for a little bit. And finally, how I ended up really getting into this space was I found an online feminist kind of magazine and did an internship there and started meeting a whole bunch of people who were journalists, who were copywriters, doing all of these things. And that's when I really understood like, oh, this is like legit. This is how people make a living. But things didn't really turn around for me until I found my mentor on a Facebook group. And she really showed me the ropes. She like subcontracted me. So she gave me work and she taught me like, this is how you invoice a client. This is right. Things that like now I'm like, oh yeah, this is my water. Like this is my bread and butter. I know how to do this. But at the time I was like, oh my gosh, like invoicing taxes. 
whoa, right? And she taught me everything. And I'm so grateful to have met her. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit more about that, right? Because I feel like so many of us need mentors, especially when we're trying to enter these spaces where there is no representation and we don't necessarily feel like we even belong in these spaces. So how did you facilitate that relationship? Yeah, I was so annoying. <laughs> so <laughs> in a good way, right? I'm like, thank God that I annoyed the heck out of her because it's really only through following up that you're able to catch somebody's attention, especially in the digital world and especially with business owners. Like business owners have 101 things on their mind at any given moment. And so if you just send them one message over Facebook and expect them to like give their lives over to you, like that's just unrealistic, right? So I met her initially on Facebook because she was looking for a subcontractor. And then at the time, like it didn't work out. She ended up going with somebody else. But every month or every two months, I would pop up and I would say, hey, just so you know, if you're still looking for somebody, if you have other projects, I'm available. I would send her happy new year, happy Valentine's Day, Galentine's Day, whatever. I would make up an excuse and I'd be like, hi, I'm still here, by the way. And Nine months later, she finally had a project for me. And once we started working on that project together, she was like, oh, like you actually remind me of myself. I'm going to mentor you. And she really invested in me. Oh my gosh, that is so powerful, y'all. Like persistence pays off. It's like yes. we got to get used to getting the no's because you only need the one yes to really change your life. Exactly. Man, that is awesome. Okay, so... Along the same lines of doing something that is not a common profession, right? I feel like this is a prime environment for like limiting beliefs to start popping up and like the mm -hmm. whole imposter syndrome, be like, who the fuck am I to be like charging for services? Who am I to be a copywriter? Can you tell me about any experience that you've had with that and kind of how you've worked to get past that stuff? Absolutely. The very first internship I did was an unpaid internship. I don't regret doing it because obviously I got to where I am and I had examples of my work to show to future clients because of it, blah, 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 blah. But when you start off being unpaid, anything feels like any kind of money feels like a lot of money. And so I put my rate, I think, as at $10 an hour on Upwork. Yeah, mm -hmm, it's that kind of story. And when you copyright and when people are asking for edits, when you're trying to create a relationship with a customer, you're going to end up spending way more time than you initially allotted, right? And so, yeah, $10 an hour was technically what I put on there, but I wasn't working 40 hours a week. I was billing for a couple of hours, working more hours than that. And essentially, it came out to like $2 an hour. So I just didn't feel confident enough to charge any more than that. And again, what I was comparing it to was my free internship. And I was like, well, at least I'm getting paid for this. <laughs> it's funny and the logic that we use to justify just like not getting what we deserve. Exactly. I really, really think that anybody, even if they're just starting, if you have to pay rent in the US, you need at least $15 an hour because $15 an hour is $10 an hour after taxes in the freelance world. And really, if you have any kind of examples that you can show, you should be charging $25 or maybe even $50 an hour. So now I know that. And if I could go back, I would tell myself that. But exactly at the time, I was just telling myself this story of I can't charge more until I have more experience. But I wasn't 
able to get any good experience because I was literally just surviving and you can't do your best work when you're surviving. And so it's very hard to raise your rates if what you start at is so much below what you actually need to survive. Yeah, that's such a good point. And we have to think, especially like if you're making the leap from like nine to five work to entrepreneurship, you cannot charge the same amount of money that like you would accept at a job Mm. that is giving you benefits, that is giving you like a pension or a 401k or whatever. You have to make up for all of those things that you're losing out on by walking away from a corporate career. So I'd say at the minimum, you need to charge like three times the amount that you would be making at a job. In order to justify medical insurance, retirement benefits, all of those things, like that shit has value. 1000%. I'm curious on your thoughts about using like value-based pricing versus hourly rates, right? Because I'm reading We Should All Be Millionaires right now by Rachel Rogers. And she talks about this idea that like, okay, let's say you want to charge $50 an hour for what you do and it takes you 10 hours to do it. So you made $500. But maybe the next time that you do it, it's only going to take you five hours because you're more proficient. So you're actually going to get 250 for that same project. And at that point, it probably doesn't make sense to use hourly based pay anymore. You have to go based on the project and really the total value of your skills Mm -hmm. and how that's going to translate to like money being made by the client, right? So talk a, a little bit about that. Yeah. I think that hourly is great if you're really, really starting from zero. Like this is the other thing is if you're coming from a corporate background, you're not starting from zero. You have skills, right? But for someone who was in a position like I was where really I was fresh out of college and had zero skills, hourly is fine. But you're completely right that once you have a good knowledge set, I think the quote is, don't pay me for the time it takes to do it. Pay me for how long I took to get here. Like it takes a long time to develop a high level of skill. And so thinking about that, you have to remember that you are saving the client. It's not hours, it's years. If you know how to write really good copy or create a website or make digital art, whatever it is that you're doing, your client is not going to take the time out of their lives to learn that skill for themselves. That's why they're paying you. And so you're exactly right that there comes a time when you are expert enough to charge based on your value and based on your expertise rather than, oh, it took me five hours to do this or 10 hours to do this. Yeah. I think a lot of that is unprogramming yourself to that corporate setting if that's where you're coming from, right? Mm -hmm. I imagine, and I've only done this a couple of times, like living in different places. Now you've lived all over the world and I feel like that takes a certain level of bravado that (laughs) I find very admirable. And that must mean that you're like super adaptable to change, which I think is just not something that a lot of us are good at. So Mm. what advice do you have to kind of get us out of our comfort zones to maybe even open ourselves up to these opportunities that are waiting us in the world, but we're just like scared shitless to even be like, oh my God, I can't handle this. Yeah. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Selling a little or a lot. 
Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online store shop phase to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic your AI-powered all-star. What I love about Shopify is how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash dinero, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash dinero now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash dinero. Make friends before you go anywhere. It's so easy to make friends online. And this year, as shitty as it was, it got so much easier to make friends because everybody was just on their phones 24 seven. But this was true pre-pandemic, true post-pandemic. There's the Digital Nomads Forum. There's Digital Nomad Girls. There's Girls Gone Remote, I think is the name. And you can find so many people who are going to be in the area that you're going to be in. And I'm not saying only make friends with travelers because you're going to want to make friends with locals too. But being on those forums, being in those groups, and talking to people who are going to be at that location, it just makes it a little less scary because you know at least that you have one person that you can ping and be like, hey, let's get a coffee. So that would be my number one tip is just be as social as possible whenever you can. And how do you actually decide where you want to go? Ooh, (laughs) I would go on this website called Kiwi.com and I would set it to anywhere. And I would just go wherever the cheapest flight would take me. That's nice. Um, Yeah. So for a long time, it was random. But now I'm really trying to cultivate what makes life worth it to me. And I've kind of pinpointed like nature really makes me happy. Being able to just enjoy really good food makes me happy. And so... I go on Pinterest and Instagram and Facebook, and I try to ask as many questions as I can and figure out, are there good eats? Are there good places to walk around and hike around? That's kind of, I would say, the list of things that I want to do. I want to go to Costa Rica. I want to go to Thailand. And I want to go to South Africa. And the thing that they all have in common is that they have good food and good nature. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. Okay, so what is it like to not have... I guess, a home, right? Like that you have just like your bag of things and you're kind of just trotting around the world. What is that experience like? I love it. The frustrating part is not being able to get mail. And I've found some workarounds now with mail services, but for a long time, I just had my mail sent to my friends. (laughs) So I would say that that's like the biggest, most frustrating thing about it. But other than that, it's so nice to just 
be able to have all of your things in one place, right? Mm -hmm. Like I have my luggage and all of the things that are really important to me fit in that luggage. And it really forces you to think about what does that mean? What does it mean for something to be important to you? Like that dress that you bought and wore once, is that important? Or is it this nice dress that got handed down from your grandmother? Like there's one thing that I carry in my luggage, right? The other thing I don't. I know that some people feel like, oh, like I'm going to feel so like cast away or disjointed, right? To not have a home. And I totally get why you would want a permanent address. But for me, the flexibility and knowing that my home is kind of internal and with myself is actually really relieving and really empowering. Mm, That's a really powerful message. I love that because I feel like a lot of us can use all these kind of external reasons why we aren't comfortable making these scary decisions, right? Like, oh my gosh, but I'm going to be away from my family. Okay, like get on a plane. Like you don't need to live next door to your family to be there for them and to continue your relationships Mm. with them, right? Like the world is such a big place. And I feel like using those types of reasons for not giving yourself this space to even entertain these possibilities, I mean, you're like limiting your like what you expose yourself to. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, there's a lot of reasons. I bought a car last year because I was stuck and I bought a car just to like go places. And I hear myself thinking like, oh, I can't go to Costa Rica because I have this car or I can't do this thing until I sell this car. And it's hard for me to sell this car. But I definitely believe that the cost of not living a life that I enjoy is much higher than, oh, I have to put this in a parking lot for a few weeks or a few months. Yeah, absolutely. So talk me through kind of how you scaled your business to the point where now you're comfortable and you're making the money that you want to make, right? Because that's another thing that people tend to get overwhelmed with is just, how do I get to the point where I can like literally live the life that I want? Yes. My very first piece of advice is to figure out what the life that you want actually costs. I think that that was my biggest mistake initially is that I would go online and I would hear all these people be like, oh, 10K months, 5K months, 20K months, which are nice, pretty round numbers. And if you make that much, yeah, absolutely. Go celebrate it. Shout it to the rooftops. That's awesome. But I personally don't need that much to live a life that I enjoy, right? And it was only when I sat down with my budget and I was like, okay, what do I actually like doing? I like going to restaurants. I like having healthcare. I like investing, whatever, right? All these things that I was like, this is what my ideal life looks like. I sat down and I calculated that out and I figured out the exact number, like down to the penny of what that was. And that made everything feel so much more attainable. And it also made me feel like, okay, maybe I'm not reaching this round number mark, but I know that I can pay for everything that I want to pay for. And I also have my emergency fund and I also have this and that. And so I'm happy because the sky is the limit. It's absolutely true. Like I've had ridiculous months as a freelancer where I made more money than I ever thought possible, but I also overworked myself and did the thing that I was trying so hard to get away from, which is burnout. The sky is the limit, which also means you have to impose your own limits and you have to know if you're working that extra hour, if you're taking on that extra client, is this actually pushing me closer towards my goals? And if you don't have that really 
specific number, then it's hard to gauge where that stop is, right? Where do I actually say no? Yeah, I think it's that like existential question of like, when is enough enough? And I don't think that we ask ourselves that because maybe we're afraid that these ideas of like what success has been painted for us is what we should aspire to versus what we actually need. And I feel like the pandemic was a big eye opener for so many of us to even understand that a lot of the money that we were spending on stupid shit, we didn't even need to be spending it because the things that matter and the things that you actually need are typically much less than what you've been told. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And it's the value of time. My first mentor, she told me something that I really loved, which was we measure so many metrics in our business, but the most important metric is free time. For her, she's like, yeah, like, of course, I'm going to measure my revenue and my profit margins and blah, blah, blah. That's important to know for the health of your business. But then she was like, but I'm also measuring like how many afternoons am I just walking on the beach with my kids? How many lunches am I just truly relaxed in the moment and hanging out with my friend? Because business ownership is hard. <laughs> like, you know, this it's know. difficult. Yeah. It's not a walk in the park and it is a trade-off. And so putting yourself into another rat race, is that worth it? <laughs> exactly. I would argue that entrepreneurship is harder because when you report to a job, like, you know, what hours you got to be there, that decision is made for you. Mm -hmm. But as an entrepreneur, if you don't have the discipline to segment your time and your days the same way that a corporate job will do, you'll be fucking working every day, all day. And you will quickly realize that like this picture perfect cocktails on a beach entrepreneurship life is a damn lie. Yeah. (laughs) It's a scam y'all. It's a scam. (laughs) Exactly. Oh my gosh. It's crazy. (laughs) It's crazy. Because as a digital nomad, I feel like people also have this like ridiculous idea of what that means. And they just think you're like on a hammock with your laptop, just like, you know, Mm -hmm. living the YOLO life. Can you actually tell us like what it looks like on a practical basis and demystify some of the most common like misconceptions that people have about it? Yeah, it's a lot of jet lag. (laughs) It seems so obvious, but that I would say is the number one thing. I prefer the slow travel method where you spend like, at least a few weeks, if not a few months in each location. And I think that that's a really good way to really experience what you're doing and also be able to balance your work at the same time. I would say you're not a different person in different locations. And that's something that I had to learn the hard way is to an extent, I was really, really burnt out. And I was like, oh, travel will cure my burnout. And Yeah, in a lot of ways, it was so life-giving and I'm really, really excited for things to open up because I love that part of myself. But if you have mental health issues, if you have troubles with your relationships, your family, whatever, like this is something I struggled with a lot is feeling like I needed to catch up to people or like I wasn't doing enough. That's not something that magically goes away when you travel. And so it's this very delicate balance of Am I reaching my definition of success? And also, am I giving myself enough grace and opportunities to experience just peace and joy and happiness? It's this balance that you're going to have to do no matter what. I would personally rather do it on a beach, but (laughs) right. I would like, I think that that's something that the pandemic taught me also is that 
I was in one spot and a lot of people were like, oh, that'll make her stable now. It's like, no, like I'm still the same person that I've always been, right? right? Life is just life, no matter what you do with it. And so making the choices that align with what you really enjoy and what you really love, of course, it's going to make the crappy parts easier, right? It's going to give you more energy to deal with all the shitty parts, but that shit doesn't go away. It's still part of life. Absolutely. You are still you wherever you are. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Exactly. (laughs) I'm curious from a more like technical aspect, how the hell do you deal with taxes when you're like moving (laughs) all over the world? Oh my gosh. So obviously I'm not an accountant, but there's a tax law that's like the bona fide residence law. And so that can actually help you with taxes. It can kind of cut them down by half. So the very first year that I was a freelancer, I lived abroad. And so I actually got a leg up on taxes and that was great. You have to spend 320 days or something like that out of the country. And if you spend 319 days out of the country, then you still owe taxes in the U.S., which is annoying. I definitely recommend an accountant, traveling CPA chick. Shout out to her. She's a CPA specifically for digital nomads. So she helps work out not only the negative things, which is like, do I have to pay taxes in this country that I just lived in? But also the positive things like, can I write off my Airbnb? So a lot of different tax questions. But I would say just like any freelancer, you should be putting away at least 30% of your net profit so that you don't get whacked by taxes in April. Yes. And you should always hire a financial professional to deal with your business stuff, unless you happen to be a CPA that's also running your business, because this shit is too complicated. Just in the US, I can't even imagine like what it looks like when you're dealing with all these other countries and their individual tax systems. Yeah. Okay, so what is your money mantra? Raise your rates. Has to be my money mantra. Absolutely. It's It's so good. And it's so important, right? Like, I think we as women are super prone to this idea that like, if we're too expensive, then like, we're just being like capitalists and like elitist and like, no one's going to pay for this and we're not worthy and I want to help everybody. And it's like, y'all, being fucking poor is not helping anybody. We've been there, done that not a vibe. Let's try something else. Yeah. Not a (laughs) vibe, not a mood. Yeah. Like nobody likes you more for charging less. If anything, clients that you do things for less for don't appreciate you as much as clients who are willing to pay your full rate. And on the opposite end, like when you charge what you're worth, you get the opportunity to do things for free or to take on projects that maybe aren't at your rate, but you don't resent those projects because you're not living off those projects. I kind of think like at least 60% of your work should be putting you towards your financial goals. And that gives you the peace of mind if you have a cause that you really love or you just want to help some people out, (laughs) right? you have the time in your day and you have the financial peace of mind to do it without expecting something in return. Like I love helping freelancers. I love answering DMs, but the only reason that I can spend as much time as I do answering DMs is because all my bills are paid. I don't have to worry about catching more clients or doing more work because I already charge enough in my month to month to have that taken care of. 
I mean, that makes so much sense, y'all. And like, if you want to do something free, do something that's actually going to help your business too, like starting a podcast, like starting mm. a blog, like having some free resources, always a good thing, but it should also be tied directly into like your brand and elevating what you do and showing your expertise, right? Because like, that's the whole point of all this shit. Social media, your blog, your podcast, that's where you demonstrate your expertise so that then you can charge the fucking money that you deserve. Like, don't just be on here doing bullshit because it's like you feel like that's what you have to do. That has yes. a greater purpose. Yeah. And it's absolutely who you know. Like mm -hmm. all of these, like the Instagram and everything else, LinkedIn and podcasts, it's awesome and it's fun. And it's also a really good place to meet other people, figure out what they're doing, figure out the collaborations in that space. Absolutely. Okay. So for someone who's like, oh my gosh, Jules is so cool. Like I want to be a digital nomad, but like I'm overwhelmed. don't know where to start. What's your best advice? Yes. If I could go back, I would say have some savings, have an emergency fund that is specific to travel and is specific to the locations that you want to travel to. Because if you go to Thailand, that's a very different number than if you go to Switzerland, right? Which is hecka expensive. So I would say number one is like, get real about what this is actually going to cost, because it's not going to help you to just close your eyes, right? If you close your eyes to it, then it's always just going to be this dream. It's not going to be a possible reality. So have an emergency fund that's kind of corresponding with the locations that you want to go to. Get on as many Facebook groups as you can. Talk to as many digital nomads as you can. Slide up in those DMs. Ask questions because that's always really helpful. And I would also say try to set a deadline if you can. Like obviously like things will move around and blah, blah, blah. But my rule for myself is if I don't do something by a deadline, then I probably don't want it as, that much. I just shelf that idea. I'm like, okay, like you didn't do it. So it's done. And we're going to put it over there. And we're going to work towards another goal. Because if I can't reach my goals in the timeline that I set for myself, then it's probably because my priorities are somewhere else, which is totally okay. It's totally okay to shift priorities. But don't keep this idea in your head of like, oh, it's my goal to go to wherever. And that's a goal for the next 10 years, right? Like, have a timeline for yourself and be willing to move away from that goal if necessary. Yeah. I would even challenge you to tell people your timeline so that people can hold you accountable and be like, oh, so what happened to that thing you said you were going to do? Mm -hmm. Oh, accountability buddies. <laughs> it's the biggest thing, both for business and for life. Yeah. Just being able to hang out with people and say exactly what you did, like yeah. exactly what your goals are. Yeah. I love it. Jules, this has been an amazing conversation. For folks that want to find out more about you, follow your journey, see where you're headed to next, and maybe work with you as a copywriter, where's the best place for us to find you? Yeah, Jules on Tap on Instagram is the best place to find me. I no longer work as a copywriter. I will not write your copy, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> I am a content strategist, so I can help you figure out how to monetize your content, and I can always recommend really great copywriters. Amazing. Thank you so much for being here. Yeah, thank you so much. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. 
What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you are ready to take your dinero to the next level, sign up for our free 14-page guide, The Financially Lit Latina, the ultimate blueprint for becoming poderosa with your dinero. This 14-page guide includes our best tips on money mindset, budgeting, debt repayment, career, investing, financial independence, side hustles, and more. And you can get it completely free. So to get your copy of the Financially Lit Latina, just head over to YoQuieroDineroPodcast.com slash start. That's YoQuieroDineroPodcast.com slash start and start transforming your dinero story today. Until next time, stay empowered, stay inspired, and stay poderosa. On the Yo Quiero Dinero podcast and associated entities, all information provided is for general information purposes only and does not constitute accounting, legal, tax, or other professional advice. Listeners should not act upon the content or information found here without first seeking appropriate advice from an accountant, financial planner, lawyer, or other professional. We assume no responsibility for information contained on this podcast and associated entities and disclaim all liability with respect to such information, including but not limited to any liability for errors, inaccuracies, omissions or misleading or defamatory statements. Usage of this podcast and associated contents constitutes an explicit understanding and acceptance of the terms of this disclaimer.